this episode of Monster Kid Radio, let's go back to the band The Abstinence. Let's go back to their album, Pareso de Excesos, with the song Surf Taranio. And let's go back to Monster Bash October 2014. Welcome to the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the 176th episode of the podcast. Glad you're here. At the very beginning of this, I said we're going to go back to Monster Bash October 2014. Well, in the last episode of Monster Kid Radio, we celebrated Caroline Monroe and shared with you a recording that fellow podcaster and legend Scott Morris recorded at Monster Bash in October last year. It was a hammer-centric Monster Bash. Caroline Monroe did a question-and-answer session. Scott got permission to share that recording with us here, and he also got permission to share a recording of a question-and-answer session with veronica carlson so that's our focus on this episode of monster kid radio just as a heads up the recording quality is just as good however in this q a session the moderator did not repeat all the questions that were being asked by the audience so you might have to strain real hard to hear what's being said that said most of the questions had to do with peter cushing so you can kind of fill in the blanks based on Veronica Carlson's answers. Before that, let's talk about the website, monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. You can find links to every single song that's appeared here on the show in the past and this week by clicking on the songs button. This is going to take you to a list of songs, bands, episodes they appeared on, and their websites. The Abstinence gave us permission to play their music on the show, so if you go check them out, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Speaking of music, you can also find a link to our monster kid radio live 365 channel where you can hear music and sounds from classic monster movies a few trailers thrown into the mix and a couple of outliers like music from ed wood or matinee it's in the mix as well so you can go check that out if you enjoy listening to film scores from these movies we have a link to our patreon page where you can become a patron of monster kid radio yes the reward levels are still in flux but if you want to support us that way you can or you can support us by joining the facebook group i try to get people added to the group as quickly as possible and that's where people are talking about monster kid radio topics and just monster movie stuff in general between episodes and you can always find a poll there we've got a poll going right now kind of a monster kid radio listener roll call kind of just people sounding off about where they happen to be listening to monster kid radio now what part of the world are you in going to try to change that up though i think within the next couple of weeks we'll have a new poll set up you know if you're a facebook user we also have a facebook page where you can like us on facebook there's not a link to this through the website so you'll just have to type in monster kid radio on facebook or go to facebook.com slash monster kid radio and give us a like we're trying to get to 500 likes by the end of the month Maybe I shouldn't have picked the shortest month of the year to do that, but, you know, let's go ahead and try to shoot for that goal. If you haven't liked Monster Kid Radio yet, well, hook us up. Maybe do us a favor and like us on Facebook. Also at our website, you can find our contact information. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-4795-MKR. That's 503-4795-657. I want to hear what your guys and gals' thoughts are on women in classic monster movies. This is Women in Horror Month. You've been hearing a lot from me and my special guests, but I want to hear from you as well. Call in or send us a wave or an MP3. Let us know who some of your favorite people in front of or maybe even behind the camera in classic horror cinema are. And we'll play that at the end of the month, the final episode of February. Why don't we go ahead and dive into this recording of Veronica Carlson, a question and answer session from October 2014's Monster Bash, courtesy of Scott, Mr. Disney, Indiana himself, Morris, right after this. (laughs) 
those terrific names and scream evil. Together in one shock show. Horror of Frankenstein and Scars of Dracula. Your ticket entitles you to be frightened out of your wits at no extra charge. Horror of Frankenstein and Scars of Dracula. In color, rated R. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. The man played 21 seasons in Major League Baseball, and for my money, he's still the home run king. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com I thought this podcast was about Hammer and Hank Aaron. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Dracula has risen from the grave. Boy, does he give a hickey. Veronica Carlson with Scott Kettle moderating. Monster Bash Oktoberfest 2014. Yeah, and what a wonderful... A couple years ago, we were at the Butler location, and uh, what a treat it was to watch these clips. And I was watching you just now, watching these clips. Tell me... What's, you know, when you watch, I mean, the... the I, I thought, you know, Charles Wick did a wonderful job. I wrote him a, a thank you letter. He's a real artist. Yes, and I found it to be very charming and absolutely very moving. And my whole family found it moving. And I loved the way other people see me. I don't see myself this way. I see myself very differently, very, very much more critically. I think we all do. And that, to me, was a, a glory moment. <laughs> I'm so grateful for it, and I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, very, very much. <laughs> Is there ever a time when you're watching, and this happened earlier with some of the other, uh, like with Martin Stevens, and uh, any of the ones through the years where we've 
had the clips and they say, you know, I, I, I forgot that I was in that. Um, earlier, it was uh, Martine who said, there was a clip I didn't remember doing. That's <laughs> so. Yes, I know, I did, I, re I remembered all the clips. I did, I really did. With delight, I have to say, and I thought it was a lovely surprise. And the thing that I think makes me happiest is, all my kids think the same thing. Oh. They're so excited. My little granddaughter is 12. She's found the internet, of course. Nana, were you famous or something? Because I've never discussed my career with my grandchildren, and I've never bothered my own children with it. But uh, they've accepted it, and they've been so happy. I'm glad I was never naked. I could tell it's all I can say. <laughs> really. <laughs> well, let's open up the floor for Veronica Carlson and take some questions. Veronica, of course, so many wonderful movies, and uh, I know that... Uh, one of the clips, uh, I think we saw two or three scenes of Frankenstein Must Be Indeed, Destroyed. Indeed, I did, yes. Yeah. And of course, you were reunited with Peter Cushing again in the ghoul. That was a joy, yes, yes, it was. So, questions for Veronica Carlson and Monster Bash. Uh, yes, sir. I, yeah, I learned recently um, that Peter Cushing painted, and um, I was wondering if you would he ever discuss art, your art. Yes, I, I presented him with one of my my own paintings. He was very he was a brilliant painter, watercolorist. He was absolutely very gifted in so many ways. It wasn't just painting. He would make scenes. He would create theater scenes, and uh, all his scripts were very very involved with how his costume should be totally correct and detailed. So he was a very precise gentleman and of the old world, you know, the gentleman that took you to dinner, that wore white gloves, you know, so it would never hurt the lady's dress. You know that, Susanna. And it was, he was such a, a joy. But the difference between the Peter before the ghoul and the, and the Peter afterwards, after his wife had passed away, it was absolutely awful. It, he was a heartbroken man, and he wrote in his uh, biography that he ran up and down stairs trying to give himself a heart attack so he'd die. He didn't want to live after Helen had gone. And always on the set was a photograph of Helen, no matter, there was always a photograph of his lovely, lovely lady wife, who I was fortunate enough to meet at the, uh, the, uh, the premiere of Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. She could hardly walk up the steps. She was very asthmatic and she was gasping for breath. She's a lovely lady. But of course, when he made the ghoul, uh, she had already passed away. And he was making a, he was creating a scene of his own wife, as always, and, but saying how she passed away. And Freddie, we were known in those days, and I know, the one take was a wonderful thing. Two, well, okay, but three, don't, no, don't go there, just do it. So, Freddie pushed for six takes, Freddie Francis did in this direction, when he, uh, Peter was talking about his wife who passed away. And with each take, Peter got deeper and deeper into debt, so to speak, with, with grief. I understood what Freddie was doing. He could see what a magnificent piece of, Peter was not acting, and he, what he was getting from Peter was remarkable. But I also saw the torment that it caused Peter, and of course all of the crew did. 
And uh, when Peter finally said, after the sixth take, unthinkable, undreamable, Freddie, dear Freddie, I can't do this anymore. I have to go to my dressing room. And he left. And there wasn't a dry eye. All the crew turned away. We were all wiping our eyes. All the crew, sound people, all, all, everybody. And the lights went out. We all departed. But when we, because he, he was such a loved, loved man. And we, we suffered with him in those days. In those moments, we suffered desperately with him. He was quite the gentleman. Oh, gosh, gentle, he was a gentleman wonderful gentleman. In, in every yeah. way. Uh, yes, Suzanne? I understand that. And then he came up and she was so ill. Absolutely. It was so heartbreaking. But you had a lovely what you worked with. That was an amazing. Wasn't it lovely to work with him? Oh, well, I Yeah. We shared yeah. so much, but infrequently. His daughter, uh, Susanna, his name is Susanna, doesn't it? That isn't oh. me. I didn't know that. I'm sure there's lots of things. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know. We've been chatting up a storm. Yes. I, yeah, we have. Indeed. Oh, no. I only. Because of Peter. It's always so heartwarming to hear these stories about Peter Cushing because you never hear any of the backstories. Yes. Yes. He touched and still touches people's lives. Yes, he does. I couldn't come out of the movie, much of that. I knew other people, but I couldn't come out because I would be But you know, yes, if I had a dime for everybody that said, oh, I wish I'd met Peter Cushing, I'd be a very wealthy person. Yes. Yes, indeed. We were just discussing a Peter Cushing movie that I uh, said, have you seen this Peter Cushing movie called Cash on Demand? Oh, I love that movie. Yes, and, and it finally hit DVD within the last, what, couple of years. And wow, what a... Because, you know, he couldn't come up... You know, he could be such the gentle man on yeah, screen. Yeah. In this case, he was kind of mean, but <laughs> then he met someone meaner. But uh, anyway, but let's uh, take some more questions. Nick, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Um, could you share us? I can't think of a single thing right now, and yet he had the best comic humor. That you, he was such a funny man, but I can't think of a darn thing that he's thrown me. Well, if I may, I remember I was sitting with Veronica. This was at the Monster Rally 1999. Christopher Lee was on stage, yeah. and I remember him telling a story yes. when they were filming Horror Express. And apparently the conditions were uh, abysmal, to say the very best, at uh, the very least. Uh, but they were talking about, I think Christopher Lee had said that the food was just 
just wrong. He said, it's just, and so he was complaining and he said, and it wasn't in Peter Cushing's nature to, to scold or anything like that. But apparently I think he, he had finally said, well, old boy, there's uh, not much we can do about it. Is there? And Christopher said, I was crushed <laughs> because Peter Cushing had kind of said, you know, just eat it. There's nothing we can do about it. And, um, but there is a, a great line in the movie, if I may add, when and we've talked about this, yeah. Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, Horror Express, where um, the the Russian inspector who is now infected with the the, the the beast, and he was talking about how do I know one of you are not the monster? And Peter Cushing looks up and says, "Us monsters? We're British, you know." <laughs> I thought that was such a great line. <laughs> Yeah, so that excluded them from that was being monsters. And they always, they always knew they were starring in another Michael Ripper movie. Yeah. yeah they, they always knew that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, more questions. Veronica Carlson. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, Veronica, I want to ask you about Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Yeah. My all-time favorite Amber, Mr. Lee Van Gogh, as well as can you, can you speak on a little bit? I want to ask you about Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Yes. Um, how was it to work with... Everyone knows about Christopher, but how about the rest of the cast? Barbara Ewing, Barry Andrews. They, I think yes, they were. Fun. I think they were more stage actors. You know, they were doing this as in a moment in time to forth, to forward. You know, Susanna knows. I think they're far more stage because uh, subsequently, when I lived in Coventry in England, um, I called Barbara. She was doing a stage play. And I'd sense that she wanted a distance from the horror, the Dracula moment. She was so serious, as a very serious stage actress. And as was, um, I found the same with uh, my other co-star in Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Uh, he was doing a play at Warwick University, a, a man who was dying, he was lying in his bed, un unable to do anything for himself, and he wanted to die. It was a big deal at the time. Simon Ward, Simon Ward, and I went back and I took some friends of mine. I was so proud to introduce them to Simon because such a fine actor. But he also had that moment, you know, that was me then, this is really me, I'm a stage person. I understood it, but it, it sort of hurt a little bit at the same time because Hammer days were such happy days for me. Yes, yes. Barbara Jeffer did that to me. Tell me about that. <laughs> you found it too. Oh, oh Susanna, I have to know. That's exactly it. Yeah. Susanna's just summed it up. And I, I didn't mean to be so. Um, she's bloody right. She's absolutely <laughs> bloody right. I was trying to cushion it, but there isn't a cushion. And I felt, I felt hurt. I really did. I felt rejected. And I felt put down, oh, and I thought, oh, it's you, Veronica, you know, well, you know, this is what we're doing now. We, we, that's, those days have gone. You got it, you nailed it, girl. Well done. <laughs> More questions for Veronica Carlson. Yes, sir. Foot. And it really hurt, and without thinking, I bent down. 
And when I stood up, he was doing this. I poked him in the eye with my back. So I was holding my toe. He was doing this. Oh, I know. It was a most dramatic meeting. We had, we had a good laugh about it afterwards, but he really, I did make his eye quite red. I was very embarrassed about that. It was very dramatic. David was wonderful. You had the same age. Absolutely. You did, yes. And he died a horrible death. Motor neuron disease, wasn't it, Suzanne? Yes, he, he died horribly. And he, he had a lovely sense of humor. It, you know, how lucky can we be to work with such super people? Okay, uh, yes, sir. You mentioned Freddie Francis. Did you have two or three other, or maybe one or two other favorite directors? And what was it about each one of them that made them so good? The, uh, the, all of my favorite directors worked with Hammer. I, uh, Freddie Francis was so right for, the, for me in that movie. Terry Fisher was so right for that. You loved him too, didn't you? He, Terry was with. And then uh, Jimmy Saxon, who was the rogue, you know, he was the loose cannon. He had a sense of humor second to none. He, he, sent, he sent up what Susanna knows. He sent, Susanna knows what I speak. He sent up at the horror, Dracula, uh, I mean, the horror friends, which made me a little bit upset. He had this irreverent humor about things, and I didn't think he should have. I didn't think it was appropriate. I, t I told him. But he was such an engaging man. He was an absolutely spot-on director. He knew exactly what he was doing, so I could not criticize him for that. It's just the, you know, the odd rude moment in, well, you know, the mischief moments. But uh, no, um, so of course then I worked with Freddie again on the ghoul, so I was lucky. The only director I did not get on that well with was, was the one I was working with Roger Moore in that film I made when I had the love scene and the hate scene. And he didn't like my dress. He said, it makes you look fat. And I thought, well, I do not like this man. I didn't. <laughs> it, it took all my confidence. It was horrible, the dress. It was fluffy and light green. It was ghastly. But it wasn't my choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned horror Frankenstein, uh, and, uh, and when we talked before, you mentioned yes. that if you if you were to choose one of your many films uh, to best represent you later, that it would be Frankenstein must be destroyed. Yes. So, what are your feelings, uh, you know, as far as working uh, in addition to the uh, the uh, director, but the fellow actors like David Prowse as the monster? Oh, I know. And, uh, they, they're absolutely special, aren't they? Yes, and that particular Frankenstein movie did it fall into the refresh my memory here of course there were the Peter Cushing Frankenstein movies um, yes and then there was horror Frankenstein then came Frankenstein and the monster from hell which continued the Peter Cushing storyline yes so did horror Frankenstein fall in to that storyline or it was it was separate I don't I don't know I, I don't know Ralph was such an enjoyable well he was as bad as Jimmy together they were Dreadful. They were really dreadful. Sometimes I'd have to leave my. The, we'd have lunch together, and they were so irrepressible and they were so giggly. I mean, they were like schoolgirls. And I, I got to laugh so much. I thought, oh, well, I'm going to leave my. I'm just going to go back to the. See, no, it was. I don't know. It was a different, different time. I, it's just it's so different with Jimmy. Yeah, because that movie seemed to fall in between. It did. The, it felt yes. It yeah. did. 
and uh, fell between the cracks, didn't it? In well, some ways, and it was always paired. It was paired with Scars of Dracula, if I'm not mistaken. And uh-huh. It was a drive-in favorite to see okay. those two together. Yeah. But as far as the storyline, it was like, yeah, that. Or reboot. Oh, okay. What I read about the way that was supposed to be, they were going to retire Peter Cushing and do a whole new story second to the Rock Bates. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Then it came back to Peter Cushing. Yeah. Yeah. Peter came to the stage. I was so pleased to see him. We were working. Ralph and I were. We were working. And there was Peter. He he gave us a visit. And uh, he kissed me, and they took a photograph of that with Ralph looking on with this scowling face. And he was sweet. It was just lovely. It was that kind of relationship, wasn't it, Susanna? Where everyone was, the camaraderie was was amazing. And I don't think any other film I ever worked on had that kind of camaraderie. You felt you were with family, and that's how it was. I had seen uh, the gentleman on Turner Classic Movies, Less, uh, no, uh, Makowicz, uh, for, yeah, Ben, thank you. Um, and he had mentioned that, uh, that Peter, of course, you know, he and Christopher Lee were in The Mummy together. Yes, and then indeed, yeah. Peter was due to be in Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, which was the last of the Hammer, uh, yeah. but that's when Helen, uh, passed was, away. was, either she had, was about to pass away or just did, no, so. She, yes. they, She'd been ailing for a while. I know, I met her at the, uh, the, the uh, premiere of Frank, Frankenstein must be destroyed, and she was very frail. She could hardly breathe. She was severely asthmatic. She's a very delicate lady, and uh, so very gracious. And uh, I could see Peter just absolutely adored her and looked after her. But I knew she would not make old bones. Right. Yeah. Okay. More questions for Veronica Carlson. Okay. Malcolm. How difficult was it in the same appreciation scene where the water comes up and you have to bury the body out? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's incredible scene, but was that really hard for you to do? It was, it was cold. It was unbelievably cold. And I think the guys had enough fun with me for that. I wore Sally Ann Howe's dress in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They were making Chitty Chitty Bang Bang uh, in the same studio. I nearly ran, ran, I nearly ran into Dick Van Dyke. I was running back. And I almost knocked him over. No, she, um, and Sally and House had this blue dress, this one that I wore. Because I was getting all drenched and ruined, they didn't see it was fit for me to have a dress specially made for that scene, so I wore that dress. And um, the, the men that damped me down took delight in putting cold water on me. And I said, why can't you put warm water on me? Oh, you'll f- you were, oh no, because they'll feel even colder if we do that. I thought, yeah, right, yeah, right. There's watering can over my head and my hair dripping down. I got so cold, I could hardly move. And at the end of it, um, they said, the only room, the dressing room that has a bath is Roger Moore's dressing room. Sadly, Roger was not in his dressing room. He was somewhere off filming. But he had the biggest bath, and I topped it up so gently. And they gave me a big brandy, and I, I, I must have sat in that bath for an hour and a half. I was so, a bit like my room here at the, at the hotel, actually. <laughs> Except I don't have a deep bath. And no, it was, um, it was a happy time. You know, they all made laugh. They, they enjoyed making me cold. What can I say? <laughs> 
But the best thing to do is laugh along with them, otherwise they get you for that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I understand that when it came time to do the rape scene oh. in, in that film, that Peter Cushing yeah. tried to be extra gentle. Absolutely, yes, he did. He did. We hated that. Um, we were in the fifth week of shooting. So all my films had been done with Peter, and I knew that anything I did after that would look <coughs> stupid because I had not done this scene prior. And it, my reaction to Peter would have been so different. So I immediately, Peter was cross. Jimmy Creer stormed in, waving these pages above his head, shaking them. I said, there's not enough sex in this picture. I've, I've talked about something, there's not enough sex. And Terry, Terry Fisher turned around and said, what are you talking about? We've nearly finished shooting the picture. And he said, well, these are the new scenes. And he thrust them at Terry, who looked at them, read them, looked at me and Peter, and threw them up into the air. And they all fell, all dis in disarray around his feet. And he stormed out too. So that was the next slamming door, the exit stage left. And so Peter and I were just sitting there thinking, what the blazes is going on? So we, we got the pages together, we read it, we were horrified because he was supposed to rape me. And we all know Frankenstein is not a sexual being. He does not care for women. He doesn't give a darn about women. He cares about creating people. He wants to be God. So Peter got upset. I got very upset. Their idea for doing this was to take my nightgown and rip it down to my pubic bone leaving me totally naked. And I said that I have no, no, I do, will not do nudity. This is not in my contract, but to be so exposed and to be so horribly violated at the end of a movie, I mean, if that had happened to me at the time, that could, my reaction would have been so different. So I thought, I'm going to look like an idiot. I don't. So Peter took me to dinner. He wore white gloves. And we said, we've got to talk about this, darling. And he took me to a lovely restaurant. I don't remember which one it was. Somewhere in London. And uh, we had a lovely dinner. And we just tried to discuss it. How do you discuss this thing? I mean, how do you make it nice? We didn't know how to make it nice. And that's what we were trying to do. And so we went back to his, uh, his abode. And uh, he showed me his lovely collection of soldiers. miniatures, beautiful collection. And we tried to talk about everything else but this dance scene. But in the end, we sort of did this scene. And he said, I know what I'm going to do, darling. I'm going to throw myself on top of you and totally hide you. But, and remember, it's not me. That's what he always kept saying. So we did it. And uh, the, the, the girls were trying to cover my bazooms. And of course, everything got more lurid than the time before. So I feel like... So Peter threw himself on top of me. We did the scene, and uh, Roger Moore was working on another soundstage. He came over to comfort Peter and I. He, just, he said, he, he, the word traveled how upset we all, all of us. Terry Fisher was furious. He was stomping around in a temper moment. He had, he had a hissy fit second to none. And uh, Roger came to comfort both Peter and I, and sat with trying to make everything better. So that was the end of that horrible scene. But it was, I did not want to go to the premiere of that movie because I thought people aren't going to know it was filmed in the last few days when I'd done everything else. And they're just going to think I look like an idiot and not being repulsed enough by this man. I don't know. So that was my feeling about that. If I remember right, was 
That scene was excluded, though, in the American release originally, wasn't it? Yes. Good. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I had seen the movie many times over the years. Yes. Uh, uh, at, you know, drive-ins with other features. I, I don't remember that. So, yeah, that was uh, ex excluded. It just, yeah. Well, it does seem out of place when they restored it. It is. It doesn't match. Yeah. But he, he crafted an, an amazing character of yeah. Frankenstein. He had made it, just like Chris made Dracula, totally made it his own. And right. he knew it was so not right. He knew it. He, oh, he was not happy. So when it's been re-released as of recent... Yeah, this is that the Turner Classic uh, collection where it's yeah that and is it is it in there? So it is in there. There, there. I, I have not seen it. I've seen the movie with Bessie. I wouldn't watch it. I just I will not. I will not watch it. No, it doesn't make sense. It's not. It's not the character. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Speaking of that film, Frankenstein must be destroyed at the very end. There's a giant fire scene. Yes. Yes. Oh, I certainly was. Oh my goodness, loads of firemen, <laughs> loads of these huge firemen around. They were there when I was doing the, you know, the water moment as well. They enjoyed it, they laughed at me when I got cold. But uh, no, they, they were there, that was an amazing, uh, I, I just, I was, I was amazed at that. The, the, the detail, the uh, skill of Hammer was remarkable. It looked very dangerous, it's Peter's right? Absolutely, I know. It, was dangerous, but they were all there with their fire hoses, and we were all not breathing, waiting for. It was. I don't know how they. When I look back on it now, I really think you know, without all the special effects that we have, I don't know how they did it. My own self, I really don't. It was wonderful to watch. All right, one more question, and right here. I got to go with Veronica. Yes, sir. Um, besides Ralph Bates and David Cross and Laura Frankenstein, you also had the great pleasure of working with the late, great Kate O'Mara. Oh, yes. And we just lost her. I know. Back. I was in work with her. It was, yeah, I, oh, I did so want that role that she had. She was so feisty. She was so, so oh, I thought, oh, I'm so jealous. I know I didn't fit the role. She did it beautifully. She was beautifully cast in that role. And uh, I was scheduled to meet her at one of these conventions. And she went to one, she, she met Dan Dan, this gorgeous Dan Weber. His favorite actress is Kate O'Mara, and he wanted so much to meet her. And I thought, um, when, when the next one came around, I would meet up with her again, but it was not to be. And uh, I don't know what was behind it, but I have my own feelings. Her son was in a horrible car accident, suffered terrible brain damage. And he hanged himself. Yes, you know, darling, don't you? Yes, and it was heartbreaking. And I wonder if somehow a little bit of her... It, yeah, I think Susanna knows exactly what I'm trying not to say, but saying... Yes, she, she gave up the ghost. I really... Because that was her life. And, and Susanna's weeping almost now for, for her. And I understand it very well. I think I'll start myself in a minute. But I, no, that was heartbreaking. And I regret bitterly not meeting up with her again. It was so imminent. And I was so close that, that I was lucky to have known her at all. She was lovely. Absolutely lovely. She had a lot of Shakespeare. She was a brilliant... But she, like, like, unlike the others, whom we've already spoken of, she did not scorn Hammer Days. She embraced them. All the best. Bless her heart. Yeah. Well, I believe that'll wrap it up. Let's give a warm round of applause for the
thanks to Scott for providing that for us here on Monster Kid Radio. And check out 1951downplace.com to find the previous episode of that podcast where Scott has an interview with Veronica Carlson herself. It's a pretty good interview. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Scott is the man. Also, stay tuned to 1951downplace because he's got an interview with Caroline Monroe and Martine Beswick as well. We do have a question and answer session with Martine Beswick that we may play in the future here on Monster Kid Radio, so stay tuned for that. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, got a couple different ways we can go. You just have to come back and check it out for yourself. Again, monsterkidradio.net is where you can find that, or stay tuned in iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever other podcast catcher you use to subscribe to your favorite shows. If you are an iTunes user and you haven't given us a review, well, we'd like to ask you to do that as well. In the meantime, remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Surf Taranio. That belongs to the band The Abstinence. It's on their album Paracio de Excesos. You can find them at the-abstinence.bandcamp.com. Talk to everybody next week. (laughs) 